Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If so, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you. Aww. Along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use! Exclamation point. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours, too. Uh, so do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 152 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday, August 15th, 2019. My name is Josh Cannon. I'm here with my co-host, Mike. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing really good. I've been having a good, stacking a lot of good days on top of each other. I'm a little bit stressed out because I know that I'm going to be starting school again, so then I'm trying to balance school and work. <laughs> Oh, yeah. At the same time. And I, I haven't done that in a while, so I'm a little bit <laughs> a little bit nervous about that. I think I think things will be okay though. Um they recently uh had a new hiring thing, so they hired a couple more people, so um we'll see. I'm pretty sure my hours are probably not gonna be as good. So that's another thing I'm kinda like eh about. But that's to be expected. I'm just hoping it's still decent enough at the end of the day. Um but if they're not, whatever. I, I got pretty much everything I would have wanted to get and then some recently. So um, uh, I think I'll just be able to take it easy and only get a few things here and there and and be totally fine. Gosh, my, so, my life would be so much more relaxing if I could be like, well, you know, I, I, I got some some fuck around money and uh, now I can just lay back and not have to worry about bills <laughs> and just concentrate on going to school. Because that that's the whole thing I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to pay my mom rent and uh the the phone money like three months in advance and then just chill and just whatever is left in my account just let it stay there and then pay my internet bills and whatever and here we go that, i'm gonna pay some more some of my student of uh, my financial you know my student loan debt off too that used to be my life at one point i i used to just live with my parents and not have to worry about but you know honestly like i don't know like the whole thing about oh when you move out you know you got all these bills and they just make it seem like it's this hellacious thing but it's really like not like no uh, i wouldn't think so like yeah paying but as long as you have the income right the i mean that's the that's about that's the main thing if you have the the income and you can afford it then it's not that big of a deal if you're not a that's why you move out when you have the income right you don't move out when you don't have the income <laughs> yeah i mean as long as you're not a complete dumbass with your finances <laughs> then it's it's uh i mean it's not a big deal it's like oh this one day a month i have to you know remember to go to this website and mm -hmm. and you know give them a large chunk it would of also, my money. It also, de it also depends on your location in terms of how you're going to be able to live, you know, affordably and stuff like that with your income. Oh, yeah. I was listening to something on the radio last night and uh, it's a talk show or whatever. And this guy was talking about the uh, average uh, yearly income one would have to have to uh, rent a two bedroom apartment in all these various cities. 
And um, he actually, I guess since we're an affiliate, uh, Jacksonville's an affiliate of this radio station, he mentioned Jacksonville is like, you need about $35,000 a year to rent a uh, two-bedroom here. And it's like, eh, uh-huh. that's that's actually pretty accurate or whatever. And yeah. then he gets to like, uh, I think the highest one was, um, I want to say it was either San Francisco or San Diego. And you need yeah. you needed to make something like, Two hundred and fifty thousand yeah, dollars a LA year. LA is probably up there too. Yeah, LA was up there, but not. It wasn't as bad as. Uh, it was either San Francisco or San Diego. I think Portland is pretty high up there too. Probably, probably so. Uh, I mean, Manhattan was uh in, mm-hmm. up there, but uh, yeah, like that's that is the most expensive place in America to live. I think I'm just realizing like the only way like it, it would either, <laughs> I I I'd, I'd have to get multiple jobs. And save up a considerable amount of money or, like, get a roommate or something. Like, that's, a, you know, like, move in with somebody. Like, that's the only thing I could think of that would make this an option for me right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what everyone does when they're younger. And sometimes, even into their middle age, they get several roommates, you know. And sometimes yeah. you'll get a, a two- or three-bedroom house and there'll be four or five people living in it, you know, just to split mm-hmm. the rent up that much more and... uh I think I am so fucking lucky that I was able to uh, be in the situation I'm in where I have no fucking roommates. And it's not like one of those situations where it's like I'm constantly working so yeah. I don't even get to enjoy my uh-huh. house. It's like, no. Can I, you imagine Can you imagine doing the podcast with like four other people like when you're trying? <laughs> yeah, not really. I, I mean, at my, at my parents' house, it sucked enough because my stupid, my parents' dog, Lenny, would yeah, the bark. Dog, yeah. yeah, they'd be barking yeah. in the background or... You know, my parents pretty much knew to stay out of my room most of the time, so I, they didn't really bother me very much. Some but of my parents. Although, at the same time, it's like, you know, mom's watching all the Netflix and stuff, and I'm like, you know, you could just have, like, a rental store in my in my bedroom that you're, you're welcome <laughs> to use if you want. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is true. A bunch of stuff that's probably not on any of those. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, unless you want to... Some of them you have to pay to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's you know something I do eventually want to do and want to move out. Is I don't want to live with my parents forever. But like for right now, I'm just gonna finish up my school, you know. And then after that is done, then I'll look into you know. Okay, maybe if I have to, maybe my work will let me uh, move up the ladder. Or if not, then you know maybe I'll just do part time still and then do another job on top of that, and then maybe just start saving up. I mean, I'm still going to have to pay a good considerable amount of money to pay off my student loans. So, you know, <laughs> that's how it is. But um, I don't have as much as some. I don't, I don't even think it's 10 grand. So I, I, compared to other people, like I should be able to pay that. Yeah, off as long as you get a career at, a at, at the end of the whole thing, then, you know. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> okay, well then, that's not a good thing to be going to college for. You're not going to get it. Yeah, I know. Well, it's just one of those things where it, it's uh, it's 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 learning uh, skills and things like that, uh, honing skills. Uh, we'll see how you know the book project goes if it ever gets off the ground. Uh, the kind of stuff that I'm trying, I'm learning, isn't is really hard to get a career in. Like people just realize that you know when you do when you do go for like writing. And, you know, those sort of things. So that's something that normally you, you're just going, you're paying for, for, you know, experience, you know, to, the, to learn. So basically what needs to happen is uh, you need to find a sugar mama off this podcast. She needs to fall, <laughs> she needs to fall in love with you. 
and uh, just p- take you under her bosom, and she makes the money, and you work on your passions at home, taking care of the kids while she's at work. It sounds like how it needs to work out for you. That's kind of what my brother did, honestly. My brother lived yeah. with my parents for a long time. He met his girlfriend, who became his wife. She already mm-hmm. had her own house. He just moved from one titty to another titty uh, <laughs> because he just went from living with my parents his whole life to living with her. And yeah. at no point did he ever live by himself and have to like worry about rent or anything. And he's like uh-huh. 34 years old now with a kid. So, Well, I did get an experience of what it's like to live with myself when I was living with my dad in Oklahoma City because he would be on the road for months on end. And there were times where I would actually have to pay rent because he wasn't making enough money. So, and then I'd have to pay for food and had to pay for all this other stuff. So I, I, I did get a little bit of experience of what that's like and w- with roommates, uh, because you know, my uncle and, and my stepbrother stayed over and my uncle is fucking insane. He's an insane, crazy, uh, Vato. <laughs> um, He's Mexican. Yeah. Oh, okay. And my dad isn't. It's just this, it's his stepbrother, technically. Okay. And and the uh, onion then, of Mike peels back a little further. <laughs> that he's, he's fucking nuts. He was scary. Uh, and then my stepbrother Dylan, who is actually he's actually a good guy. He just you know fucked up, made a big mistake. Folks, uh, learn from my stepbrother. Anytime you're involved in a situation where there's police, don't fight the police. <laughs> Lessons that don't need to even be said by Mike Brown. Exactly. <laughs> don't but still, fight the police. Yeah, don't fuck with the police. You're you're gonna get fucked. Don't put your balls in a in an open flame. These are things <laughs> that you shouldn't have to be told, but yet some people still do them. Yeah, but he's doing better now. He's he's done. He he uh, did his time in prison, and he's got a kid now, and he's got a girlfriend and everything, so. Well, that's good. So you may not know from uh, listening to us just now, but this is a podcast about uncovering some of the unexplained mysteries of the Mm -hmm. world. And boy, do we have one big one to uncover today. Yes, and it is in my backyard. I wish literally my backyard. Did you go there? No, I haven't gone there just because, okay, so we're talking about the Coral Castle of uh, Homestead, Florida. Um, th- this is one of the biggest mysteries that has been in, in the closest vicinity to me, being a Floridian, uh, aside from the Bermuda Triangle. Um, the problem with the Coral Castle is I live in uh, northeast Florida in Jacksonville, and uh, this is all the way down past Miami, which is about as, you know, the end of Florida as it gets. So it's like easily like a five hour drive. Um, so yeah, that's all that's been kind of been the main thing that's kept me from visiting it is that, you know, I just don't feel like driving five hours. Uh, although we, uh, at one point we thought we were going to have a show in Miami with uh, my band dancing with ghosts, but, um, that, that ended up being a misunderstanding. But if we ever end up going down there for a tour or anything like that, uh-huh. then I'm definitely going to take time. That to- would have been big for you, Miami. Cause that's a pretty big, um, city yeah yeah it is uh i don't know how big the market is down there for dark wave alternative electronic (laughs) bands but whatever yeah um but yeah this is the coral castle i mean 
My understanding of the Coral Castle, I was told about this since I was a little kid. I think it was either my brother or my dad told me about it. You know, this guy uh, moved these huge blocks, these 30-ton blocks of coral. Uh, he was able to move and quarry and cut and manipulate them into this, um, you know, what looks like kind of like a little castle, not like a grand, like, European castle yeah, or anything. No, not at all like that. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's like this, uh, you know... It looked more like Polly Pocket's idea of you know what a what a castle would be. It, it's almost you know, like, like a <laughs> like a fort or so, like a Bastille yeah. or something that uh, uh-huh. you would see on like uh, the 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 coast of uh, some some place you know that's got some yeah. cannons in it and all that. It's like kind of more like that size and uh, you know. But anyway, this guy uh, was able to do this all by himself and 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 he would work at night edward uh lead scanlon yeah he'd work at night and and no one ever saw him actually work because it, it was kind of one of those things where it didn't become a big deal till after it was all said and done and then it was like well shit how did he do all this yeah. and well, i think some people did see him work but like the the uh the, the uh recollections that some people have is uh, kind of like iffy so it's kind of hard to validate these claims of you know kids you know who saw him work or you know the the guy who uh helped uh him move the castle to where it is now on home in homestead that's a little bit more of a valid thing if you ask me but like oh some kids saw him float a block of coral in the air like yeah i don't there's all kinds of mysterious like (laughs) legends and myths about this guy and and how this castle was constructed and and his biggest thing was he said that he understood the secret of how the egyptians built the pyramids and he basically was utilizing those same tactics to build his his coral castle and um yeah, I mean, it's all kinds of crazy theories out there. Like, he he, he figured out, you know... Mag- he levitated them. <laughs> right, he figured out the secret of magnetism and how to, uh, you know, create kind of an anti-gravity yeah. type situation to where he could just float the blocks to wherever he needed them to be. Yeah, we watched this little... Uh, it was like a 20-something minute uh, segment on this show. I think it was called Extreme Mysteries. And it, it, it was talking about... Uh, the coral castle and it had a lot of you know information that was very uh interesting and, and vital to like the overall understanding of things but there's a lot of outrageous outlandish claims that were made by people that were interviewed on this uh short segment about you know oh you know there's no gravity <laughs> everything's magnetic like you know we 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 uh break the laws of gravity every time you know we sit up in bed you know like i guess kind of but not in the same way (laughs) yeah i mean uh you're not they say you're defying gravity every time you like an airplane takes off or Mm -hmm. you know whatever but um yeah so anyway this article here from uh uh, live science uh goes on to say uh in homestead florida not far off from miami and off the south dixie highway sits a world famous structure called the coral castle though not really a castle and not really made of coral it is nonetheless an amazing achievement oh so it's not actually made of coral. it looks like coral from the picture i know okay um more than 1000 tons of sedimentary rock 
oolite limestone, okay, uh, was quarried and sculpted into a variety of shapes, including slab walls, tables, chairs, a crescent moon, and a water fountain, and a sundial. You are about to see an engineering marvel that has been compared with Stonehenge in the Great Pyramids of Egypt, touts an information sheet available at the site. Many sources claim that the castle, originally called Rockgate Park, is scientifically inexplicable. According to the attraction's website, Coral Castle has baffled scientists, engineers, and scholars since its opening in 1923. It has appeared countless times in books, magazines, and television shows. Rock musician Billy Idol even wrote a hit song about the place, Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, there were some B-movies in the 50s and uh, 60s that were also uh, shot at the at the Coral Castle. Like, one of them was like, uh, this is the uh, Temple of the uh, Idol or something. You know, it's it kind of funny. So... Uh, the park is also listed on the National Register of Historic Places. For decades, the park featured a perfectly balanced stone gate that, despite its weight, would easily swing open with a strong breeze or the push of a finger. How it worked remained a mystery until 1986 when it stopped moving. When the gate was removed, it was revealed that it rotated on a metal shaft and rested on a truck bearing. As strange and amazing as the site is, its historically uh, is equal. Its history is equally improbable. It was created by just one man working alone for 28 years until his death in 1951. He was a Latvian immigrant named Edward Leed Scadlin, who stood, it is said, five feet tall and weighed 100 pounds. Legend has it that he was inspired to build the structure after being abandoned by his 16-year-old sweetheart on what was to be their wedding day. Spurned by his lost love, he set out to prove to her and the world that he could do something remarkable and make something of himself despite his poverty and fourth-grade ed- education, and he succeeded spectacularly. Now, uh, what helped him be able to uh, have the ability to create something so... Uh, grand in terms of spectacle is that you know he actually was a uh, what is it a stonemason yeah, or something he, came, like he yeah, actually his, did work his dad was a stonemason he came from that that uh, yeah that that field so we knew what he was doing right off the bat when it comes to uh, working with stone yeah Though Leed Scowlin was a private person, he opened the park in 1923 as a tourist attraction and would often greet visitors to personally show them his handiwork. Leed Scowlin was not only a hard worker, but also a self-styled philosopher and a bit of a crank. He, he issued a series of pamphlets about his personal views on political, social, and domestic issues. God, I can only imagine how dated those are nowadays. Yeah. Women's places are in the kitchen! Uh, one moralizing booklet optimistically titled A Book in Every Home complained, quote, the schools and the churches are cheapening the girls. They are arranging picnics, are coupling up with the girls, with fresh boys, and then they send them out to the woods and parks, beaches, and other places so they can practice in first-degree lovemaking. (laughs) Yeah, like I said, I can only imagine how dated these books are. Leed Scalnin also opined that the unemployed and powerless should not have voting rights. Wow. 
What an asshole. Quote, it is not to it's it's it is not sound to allow the weaklings to vote. Ooh. Anyone who is too weak to make his own living is not strong enough of a man of strong will and and <laughs> convictions uh who prize self-sufficiency and rigid work ethic. <laughs> Yeah, because their weak influence weakens the state. Look, man, not everyone can fucking will fucking two ton ro- rocks at their with their brain frequencies like you can. <laughs> Many stories and wild theories emerged over the decades about Lee Scowlin and how he built his castle. Some say he levitated the blocks with psychic powers, or by or by <laughs> there we go. yeah, or by singing to the stones. Can you imagine that? Just singing, just somebody just singing gibberish. You know, there's then, this guy that comes up to my karaoke gig sometimes named Dirty White yeah. Boy, and he he sings so badly that I would imagine even a rock would like fucking levitate <laughs> away get to get away from his singing. <laughs> That's the secret. You just it's because uh, Lead Scanlon was such a horrible singer. The rocks were just like fuck this guy. I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> even the rocks were just like fuck it. <laughs> Some say he, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Others suggest Lee Scownan had arcane knowledge of magnetism and so-called earth energies. As tempting as it is to view the amazing park through a veil of mystery, in fact, we know how the castle was built. Creating a structure like the Coral Castle today could probably be accomplished in a few months with a construction crew and modern machinery. But Lee Scownan worked alone using basic tools like picks, winches, ropes, and pulleys. Lead Scownan himself said that he did it using hard work and the principles of leverage. The tools he used to query the rock are on display at the Coral Castle, and several old photos depict the large tripods, pulleys, and winches he used to move the blocks. Though the queried stone slabs are large, they are actually lighter than they appear because the rock is porous. Remarkably, when he heard that a subdivision was being planned near his home, he bought land 10 miles away over the next three years he moved the structures he had already begun from florida city to homestead according to the museum's website though lead scowlin worked alone he was not a reclusive hermit he had friends who he saw often one man orville Irwin, was not only a long friend of lead scowlin's but also a building contractor with a deep knowledge of construction techniques Irwin wrote a book in 1996 with the inspiring title, Mr. Cant is Dead, the story of the Coral Castle. In it, he explains through photographs, drawings, and schematics how it was done. Irwin pours cold water on the paranormal theories that unknown energies, alien technology, or levitation built the castle. In fact, he finds such theories as an insult to the hard work and ingenuity of his friend. Back in the days when Ed started carving out his original stories, his... Stones. Whatever. His was a generation who knew accomplishments by the sweat of the brow. It wasn't mysticism, but hard work. This is how Ed really accomplished the massive project. (laughs) The Coral Castle Museum is open to visitors seven days a week. Adult admission is $18. The castle can be also rented for weddings, receptions, and parties. Okay, motherfucker. Well, tell us how it was done then. He's like, oh, <laughs> so, it's not a difficult yeah. mystery, but I'm not going to tell you anything about it. <laughs> probably because you want you need to buy the book. Yeah, probably. Um, 
Yeah, I I could totally see like people on Ancient Aliens, you know, just seeing having this a field day with this. Yeah, uh, Giorgio Sokolos, you know, just be like aliens. <laughs> That's who made what it. What we That's see here are large slabs of two and three thousand ton coral blocks being moved with the force of Lee Scallon's mind, and who gave him that technology? We believe it is aliens who did this. <laughs> I, I mean, okay, so me and Mike, in preparation for this, watched an old like documentary that looked like it was from like the 70s or 80s that kind of just talked about... This one wasn't from the 70s. That documentary was clearly from like the 90s or early... Like, I think it was early 2000s. Like it was clearly from that time period. Um, really? There is you an think in it's search that of, yeah. There's an in search of uh, document uh, episode about the Coral Castle, um, uh, but I haven't seen it yet. Uh, sorry, that was a weird yawn. Um, Did you see it? Have you seen that episode? Is that why you were like <laughs> moaning like a wounded animal? Um, <laughs> No, the, the, uh, attached to the documentary in the video, though, because it was uploaded by just some, you know, random YouTuber. Uh, yeah. It was it was a guy who, like, went into, like, at first I thought the video was, like, super corny. But then when I started yeah. watching it, like. Yeah, so did I. I was like, Ugh, yeah, you know, exactly. I, I was like, I was like, LOL at the fucking awful video at the end of this documentary. But yeah. no, as the guy goes into it, I mean, yes, he definitely does come off as like a doomsday prepper who who is, you know, just holed up in the he's woods a little, somewhere. He's a little bit full of himself, too. He does come across that way. Um, but no, this guy like like breaks down he does. a lot of the stuff that uh this ed i will say that that part was the most interesting to me like the little extreme mysteries segment that was you know probably around the same time when unexplained mysteries came out which i think was like i said early 2000s the late 90s early 2000s type thing um could tell by just how the way it was edited and stuff like that because uh, I I watched I watched a lot of these unexplained shows. <laughs> oh, I did too. You know, so uh, that that looked a lot like something like that. But anyway, this guy, I mean, he had weird editing too. Like he had like a, a fucking tie dye spiral, like a hypnosis wheel or some shit in there for some reason. I was like, what the hell is that? Why is that there? And then. He had like music in the background that like just kind of sounded it like was, it, it was it was it, I almost feel like the music in the background of the video I feel like that was like hit him playing guitar like doing his best <laughs> like Eddie Van Halen shred su session but it doesn't sound like Eddie Van Halen at all it sounds it sounds a lot like you know some shit that you'd hear like in some uh party you know in the 70s i felt i felt like it was high on acid no i felt like right? the music was like straight up like uh like 80s shred music that you would hear in the background of a 90s tutorial video on how to put together your new drum set or something <laughs> to me it sounded like some trippy music man kind of music you'd kind of just trip out to in the 70s <laughs> 
Yeah, either way, it was uh, it was pretty informative. I mean, it's still there's still there, like some things we don't know. Like, yeah, you know, he's got like the uh, Ed Lee Scanlon, who has the weirdest fucking last name I've ever heard. But um, he uh, he had like there's this picture of him with this big tripod type thing that he used yeah. to like, you know, ostensibly leverage these big uh, pieces of uh, rock and at the top of the tripod, there's this box, and and nobody knows what is in but the box. This guy kind of explained. I, I thought this guy had a good explanation for it. Do you remember yeah, that part? Yeah, he video? kept the the, uh, the car batteries in the box, you know, to yeah. provide power and all that. Yeah, and 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 yeah, it, he did break it down in a very practical way. And if I had to go on a limb, I would say this guy's probably like eighty five percent on with how he actually did it. Yeah, we can't really describe. You know, in detail, because, you know, really, you just need to watch the video, which I'm surprised it doesn't have more views, because... I know, it's only 88 views. The guy really does a phenomenal job uh, recreating what, more than likely, is probably what uh, a lead Scanlon w used to do all this work. And uh, it's pretty amazing, really. Like, this guy is really talented. He's incredibly intelligent to be able to, you know, look at just a photo and recreate everything like to the T. He even deciphered the whole uh, the book that he that Lee Scanlon wrote that people think like is like a, a sort of like a um, decoded message, you know, cryptic message. Uh, and he decoded it. The sixteen, the sweet sixteen, is is his uh, machine that he built to uh, be able to do all of this different work on you know the these pieces of limestone in terms of cutting them. So he explained the cutting part. He explained how he cut all these blocks himself. How. You know, he did all of that aspect, you know, quarried it and so on and so forth. But he didn't really explain how he moved them. I noticed that. Like, there was a little bit of that, like, because there's some video that he showed. And I watched the segment on the new Unexplained uh, show that's on History Channel called The Unexplained with an X. Because I guess apparently we're back in the 2000s again. That's edgy, bro. You know, where everything's extreme. I was like, "What is this? What is this show sponsored by the X Games?" Like, <laughs> uh, William Shatner, that was a lot of fun as a host. Like, it's amazing. This man is like in his eighties, and he's still like ticking. Yeah, still, I know like, that guy's like shows. that guy's like so must be soaked in formaldehyde every night. How how preserved he is. <laughs> um, but anyway, they had a little short segment about the Coral Castle, and they were talking about you know trying to hype up the magnetism thing. But this video actually does debunk that as well, because a lot of people look at this this uh, piece that's in his workshop, and they think it's like some mysterious magnet and whatever thing. He actually explains what the flywheel is, and and shows it in action, because he actually built it. He shows the magnet is just there, I think, just to keep things kind of just running smoothly. It's not really something that's there to like create its own magnetic energy. Um... But in that same uh, segment on on the uh, on the unexplained, there is some better quality footage of the Universal Studios footage 
that is shown uh, uh, in less quality, lesser quality in the uh, video that Josh and I watched. Because apparently Universal Studios actually went to his Coral Castle or while he was building it and actually did shoot some footage. And they showed that he was using police and he had put the blocks on like these wooden rollers sort of like pieces of wood like logs that he, I guess he could use to like roll the stones off which kind of ties into the theory that I've seen a lot of people come up with as to how the Egyptians did what they did when it comes to building the pyramids because there's no way they use electricity because that wasn't around back then unless they got alien electricity <laughs> magnets how are they going to use magnets? You know, natural magnets, maybe. But how are they going to know about the magnet? You know, these spots on on Earth that had natural magnetism, and how are they going to harness that with with what limited technology that they had available, if any technology back then? So I buy into the theory more that the Egyptians just found a really efficient way of using leverage. And pulleys, and uh, an incredible amount of manpower, with all these slaves that they had to to build the pyramids. So I think what Lee Scanlon did is, yeah, he figured out the mystery of the pyramids, which was how to use leverage to your advantage to to move giant blocks. Like there, there's a video that I that I checked out on a different uh, website. It was called Skeptoid, I think. Is this guy who does this podcast, and he was talking about how you know there's this guy who sh who has a video on YouTube. It's not really the best quality, but it shows you how it is possible to move these giant blocks of stone with levers and pulleys, even ones that you would think like, oh, it's impossible. You can't move something that heavy with you know, levers and pulleys that are not built to move something that heavy. You can't lift something, you know, that's this certain height up above. But the video actually shows that you can do some things like that. It's you have you just have to know what you're doing. Like you have to be experienced. You have to have knowledge of what angles to use, what amount, you know, all the different sort of uh, ways to put your uh equipment together and to use it properly uh but that that's honestly what i think you know scanlan you know scanlan did i think he he had a lot of ingenuity he was uh a, an intelligent man he had previous experience with working with stone and working in a quarry and quarrying rock so he just took that into account and found a way to jerry-rig some stuff to be able to run these uh, cutters and these other uh, machines with uh, free energy, which is what the magnets were used for and what the flywheel was used for and all these other things were used for. And him doing it at night's not a mystery. Like the guy in the, who was featured in the video we watched said, it's Florida. It's hot. It's hot during That's the day. That's a good point, actually. He did it at night, not because he was trying to hide things or be mysterious, because it was cool. This is a lot of hard work. <laughs> you do the hard work 
in the middle of a sweltering day in Florida? No. <laughs> you do it at night. And that's why he had all these, uh, the generators and all these things that were available so he could, you know, power these uh, different uh, posts that he had set up to do all these different tasks. And the, the video is really interesting. Like, you know, I was like, he was very skeptical. Like, oh, this guerrilla filmmaker over here, this guy doesn't, you know, budget of like no money. But the guy is knowledgeable and he goes in and he actually looks at and shows you uh, the different parts that are on display in the museum and in pictures and stuff like that and tells you what they are and then shows them in action uh, with uh, his own uh, setup that he built. So I definitely don't buy the, the idea that he used electromagnetism in any way to move the blocks because... You, there's a lot that you would have to do to even harness that amount of magnetism. Like you have to, I think it's like something you have to like make something like super, super cold to be able to do that. If I remember correctly. Um, and I don't think he had that type of ability to do something like that. So I, I buy into the idea that it's, it's more of like a sophisticated series of machinery and levers and pulleys. That's, that's how he did it. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have had a hard time recreating it, but it's probably because they don't know his exact method. He never really made the exact method that he used public. Because this guy who built the, the machine and all that and showed all these different parts, like he doesn't show anything in the video where he's using these things to move anything. He doesn't show that aspect of it. He shows how these would be used to cut things and do that and so on and so forth. So who knows? Maybe he did find a way to use his mind or electromagnetism to move the blocks. That part of this of the castle is definitely still a mystery. But like how he built it, how he cut things, how he, you know, that that's pretty explainable to me it's like a semi unexplained mystery you know <laughs> it's like kind of it's not like all the way there but it, it was it's still an interesting uh particular case of uh human ingenuity and uh architecture and uh i, I definitely sold it short so I apologize for, you know, anything that I that I might have said earlier about, you know, this not being that interesting. I'm vindicated. It just goes to show that, you know, you don't judge a book by its cover and, you know, don't say anything. Don't judge something until, you know, actually give it a shot. Vindicated! I am wrong! I am right! I am swear <laughs> I'm not alright! Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a fucking, I'm, I'm, it's a great, um, modern Marvel, well, modern in the sense of, you know, 19th mm -hmm. century, uh, super awesome, like, I will definitely be, uh, going there, eventually it's on my bucket list for sure. I don't know if it was 19th century, I think it was 20th, because it was 1920s, right? Oh, I always thought if it's the 1900s and it's 19th century, <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, just whatever, Mike. Okay, college boy, <laughs> with your college knowledge. 
But yeah, anyway, let's uh, move on to our next segment. So the next thing is a, actually it's a current event. It's about a series of Christian reality stars who are facing 30 years in prison for fraud. And Mike got a fire in his belly about this one, so that's why I we're did, talking because, about it. I did, because I'm talking about it because I, I, I hate, I absolutely loathe these type of people that, you know, put some fake fucking smile on their face, hide behind the Bible, and do sh- all this kind of shady fucking shit. Screw people over, steal money. I, I hate them so much. So, and for me personally, I think if more of these televangelists got busted like this, and if they were, you know, I don't know, taxed, <laughs> they had to pay taxes, um, and it seems like they, 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 they just, they do, like these, these individuals, they had to pay taxes because they, they, they're in trouble because they were trying to evade taxes, paying taxes. So for me personally, I just I think most of these I, honestly I think majority of televangelists are 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 fraudsters. I think they are committing fraud. Oh, I wonder what, what I wonder. So would you consider Joel Osteen a televangelist? Absolutely. I guess if you're There's on TV and you're evangelizing, you're technically a televangelist. I mean, I 100% believe he's involved in some shady shit. I, I definitely feel that you know Kenneth Copeland is definitely because I saw a documentary. You know, a guy tried to get in for an interview and like he was he was just essentially escorted off the premises like the guy will not even he will only do things on his terms. He won't do interviews and stuff like that, you know, with an outside party like th- that. That alone is just shady as shit. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of these individuals. They're hiding, they're hiding things, you know, that they are using money that they've made from people that are donating to the church or donating to God and they're using it for their own financial gain and to, you know, get all this money and riches and live the lavish lifestyle. That's, that's, and then they defend it by saying, well, God, you know, put me on this earth to, to, you know, do this and the prosperity this is my reward, you know, yeah, and you can get this too. Like with uh, Tammy Faye. You know, and uh, Jim and Tammy, I think Jim, yeah, Jim Baker, which we talked I think, about. Uh, I think for the, the longest time, Joel Osteen just kind of creeped people out, but never really did anything that mm-hmm. rubbed people the wrong way until that hurricane happened yeah. in Texas. And he's like, yeah. well, well, no, 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 I don't see if you, you guys are just going to have to stay outside. I, we got nice new carpet in here and I don't want any of your smelly uh, mud having feet all over our nice church. And the Lord has told me that, that he wants a clean <laughs> uh, church and, and you are the unwashed masses and, and the Lord will just clean you outside. That's why yeah. all that rains here is to wash <laughs> your feet off and, <laughs> and and Jesus's love is the only thing that you should need to keep you warm. Not a building. Just you just, just <laughs> now, now get off my property. I am calling security now. Just please, just go. God be with you. I'm trying to count my money in peace. God damn it. I mean, uh, sorry about that, Lord. I mean, uh, you know, Satan. Damn it. <laughs> so yeah. So Todd and Julie Chrisley are facing more than thirty years in prison for defrauding banks in the United States government. U.S. Attorney B.J. Pack announced the indictment in a press conference earlier today. According to the indictment, Todd and Julie Chrysley 
committed bank and wire fraud to obtain fraudulent loans to fund their lavish lifestyle. The U.S. attorney alleges that Chrysler's forged documents to earn millions of dollars in loans. Additionally, the couple failed to file federal tax returns for the income they received from their series, Chrysler Knows Best. Never heard of that show. And how ironic is that? <laughs> Chrisley knows bre- best. Uh, you know what? Really, what it should be called is Chrisley knows fraud. <laughs> that's the real. That's the real title of their reality show. That's the reality of things. In a press conference, Pack stated that the Chrisleys falsified bank documents to obtain millions of dollars in loans from multiple lenders. According to the indictment, the documents contained inflated account balances. Like, people like this just piss me off, too, because it's like, you are already making millions of dollars. Like, why do you need, oh, I want to make more, and I want to live lavishly. Well, fuck you. Like, live the within your means, which is already more than most people. Additionally, the indictment accuses Todd Chrysler of directing one of his employees to falsify documents to help him obtain the loans. When Chrysler leased property in California... He allegedly lied to the landlord about his income and assets. Pack says the federal government has mounting evidence that shows how Chrysler altered bank accounts. Todd Chrysler's tax problems started in 2009 when he filed as married, married filing single. On the tax return, Chrysler owed the IRS $701,000 in $700, you know, $701,249. That's a lot of fucking money. It's more money than probably you and I will ever see in our life, right? Yeah, it's pretty much guaranteed. <laughs> However, he never paid the taxes to the federal government and said the indictment alleges that he hid money in shell companies. To prevent the IRS from garnishing his businesses and property, Todd Chrysler listed Julie Chrysler as the owner of all their properties and businesses. When the couple joined Chrysler Knows Best, the couple began earning millions of dollars from production and media deals. The indictment alleges that the Chrysleys funneled their income through a company called 7C Productions. Todd Chrisley withdrew money from the production company and never claimed the income on his taxes. When his accountant Peter Tarantino filed federal company taxes, the documents show the company lost money. However, the Chrysleys have alleged to have continually wired money out of the 7C Productions bank account to fund their lavish lifestyles. The government alleges that after 2012, the couple never filed a ta- federal tax return, despite earning millions of dollars through their reality TV show. On the show, Todd Chrysler bag- bragged about spending $300,000 a year on clothing and flaunted his massive mansion. Documents and email communications between the Chrysler's and bank representatives support the allegation that they defrauded the banks. For example, the government alleges that they sent Merrill Lynch Bank a statement that stated that they had $4 million in the account. However, the couple didn't have any accounts with Merrill Lynch at the time. They later opened an account and deposited approximately $17,000. That's a far... That's a long ways away from $4 million. Emails obtained by the federal government show Todd Chrysler making his accountant, asking his accountant to fabricate bank statements. He requested a CPA increase values of accounts that either didn't exist or had negative balances. The couple used the documents to obtain fraudulent loans and mortgages to fund their lifestyle or pay off other debts. 
when his accountant had difficulty creating the documents, Chrysler wrote, giving me an excuse as to why you cannot figure this out does not move it off your plate. This is not what we discussed. Passing it back and forth is not getting the results requested. If you do not know how to do this, then find a crooked accountant to do it. <laughs> wow. Sounds like a true man of God, doesn't he? Additionally, the indictment alleges that the couple used fabricated tax returns during this time to secure loans for rental leases, mortgages, and to lease, lease a luxury Bentley convertible. Julie Chrysler is accused of sending the auto dealership multiple years of tax returns that were never filed as, a, as proof of their income. According to the indictment, the couple physically cut out numbers on bank accounts and glued or taped new numbers on top to show higher balances. Well, really? That's all they did? They just fucking cut numbers out and glued? Like, how did somebody not fucking notice that shit? Uh, this number is raised up higher than these other numbers. It looks like you just glued <laughs> the number four on top of what looks like would would have probably been a zero. No, no, that's not. That's not. That's just a new new uh, type of uh, paper. You a three D paper. <laughs> Jeez. So. In, in 2014, Julie Chrysler altered her credit report to obtain a lease on a home in California. The indictment indicates that she obtained her credit report and stored the document on a Google Drive. After printing out the document, she changed her median score from 558 to 770 by cutting out numbers and gluing new ones on top. Based upon the credit report altered by Julie, the couple secured the lease on the property. However, the couple refused to pay rent in October 2014, which caused the property owner to threaten eviction. During the time they defrauded banks, the IRS was attempting to collect funds on Todd Chrysler's 2009 tax return. However, CPA Peter Tarantino lied to the IRS agents about Chrysler's income and whereabouts. In 2017, a media investigation uncovered that the Chrysler's owed the state of Georgia over $700,000 to the Department of Revenue. During the investigation, his son Kyle said that his father hid money to avoid taxes. Holy shit, his own kid is like... Yeah, my dad, he's, he's a snake. He hid money <laughs> to avoid paying taxes. I wonder what the what his father, you know, thought about his son after, you know, he got ratted out by, by his own blood. You're going to do that? You're cut off. You're cut off. No money. <laughs> like, do these people not understand that when they agree to go and do like a, a Christian based TV show or anything in the public life. I mean, as someone who is very openly Christian is already under a lot of like a lot more scrutiny yeah. than the average person. Exactly. They're always being watched, you know, because people love, love it when Christians mess up and, you know, stumble in their faith or whatever. And, you know, I don't I don't really care one way or the other. But when it happens on such a grand scale, like there, you know, you're on a television show and you're you're you know, you, you look like you've got it all figured out in your life. And then come to find out you're just as fucked up as every as as the rest of us. And you were mm -hmm. acting that you were like you were kind of on this elevated Jesus plane when really like. You know, you're, you're, I don't know. It's just, it's like, how, how have people not learned from people like Jim and Tammy Baker? 
I think a lot of these individuals, a lot of these televangelists, I, I honestly think they're sociopaths. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think anybody who wants to have their own TV show to a certain extent is sociopathic in some way or extremely narcissistic, to say the least. Yeah. So on social media and reality series, Todd Chrysler presents himself as a wealthy Christian man. His Instagram and Twitter accounts are littered with Bible verses and religious quotes to encourage his fans. He often discusses his Christian beliefs and promotes the idea that despite his wealth, he's incredibly humble. Bullshit. <laughs> He's incredible, you know, he's incredible at humble bragging. That's what he is. Uh, in multiple images posted by Chrysler, he reminds fans to stay humble, to focus on others. One quote reminds fans not to focus on material possessions, but rather to remain humble. The irony is so strong here, it slaps you in the face. Um, look, look, look at, I, I think uh, you could, you could take some of these Twitter posts. They're pretty funny, actually. So this motherfucker be quoting people like George Washington saying, associate yourself with men of good quality if you esteem your own reputation. It is better be alone than in bad company. <laughs> and then he's got, uh, my life has always consisted of joy, heartbreak, sorrow, loss, happiness, excitement, forgiveness, and acceptance, and I survived them all because God has a greater purpose for me. As a Christian, I feel we are failing when we shun those in need the most. Christianity should never be fashionable, yet should always show favor. Sinners need forgiveness and compassion, not judgment. He's saying, <laughs> he's, he's saying that for his own ass. <laughs> exactly, yeah. He's talking about himself. <laughs> he's like, they should forgive me. You know, show me compassion, not judgment. You know, for my fraud. A real Christian is a person who can give his pet parrot to the town gossip. Hashtag Billy Graham. Oh, yeah, great. Billy Graham. Great. Well, what a great person. <laughs> He's like, those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. No matter how big your house is, how recent your car is, or how big your bank account is, our graves will always be the same size. Stay humble. That's the best one. <laughs> You should take your own advice. So this is actually his bullshit explanation for everything. He says, I've never talked about this publicly before, but there's been a cloud hanging over Julie and me and our entire family for the past seven years. It all started back in 2012 when we discovered that a trusted employee of ours had been stealing from us big time. I won't go into the details, but it all involved all kinds of really bad stuff like creating phony documents forging our signatures, and threatening other employees with violence if they said anything. Yeah, I don't buy it. We even discovered that he illegally bugged our home. <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> right. Some fucking employee of yours knows how to bug your home, which probably has a shit ton of fucking security. Don't buy it. Needless to say, we fired the guy and took him to court. And that's when the real trouble started. To get revenge, he took a bunch of his phony documents to the U.S. Attorney's Office and told them we had committed all kinds of financial crimes, like tax evasion and bank fraud. That got their attention all right, but once we had a chance to explain who he was and what he'd done to us, he, they realized it was all a bunch of nonsense and they sent him on his way. That's actually not what happened at all. So far, so good, except that our former employee didn't give up. However, somehow he persuaded a different set of investigators at the U.S. Attorney's Office not only to reopen the case, but also to grant him immunity from prosecution for his own crimes and being bring charges against us. 
As a result, it looks like later this week, Julie and I are going to be named in a federal indictment charging us with tax evasion, probably a bunch of other financial crimes as well. I'm telling you all this now because we have nothing to hide. They've done, done nothing to be ashamed of. Not, not only do we know we've done nothing wrong, but we've got a ton of hard evidence and a bunch of corroborating witnesses that proves it. Anyway, when all is said and done, we trust in God, and God says to us in Jeremiah 51, 36, I will defend you. I will be your lawyer. I will plead your case. We know that if and when this goes to court, the truth will prevail and the charges against us will be exposed for the outrageous lies they are. It says in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We want to express our gratitude to everyone who helped place us to where we are today in lives, in our lives, and we thank you for your support. And we will continue to work every day during your respect, loyalty, and admiration. Covet your prayers, Todd, Julie, and the entire Grizzly Chan uh, clan. Um, it's a whole different thing on a Chris Chan. <laughs> That's a whole other rabbit hole. Um, but uh, yeah, I, that just reeks of bullshit, doesn't it? Like one hundred percent. Oh yeah. It reminds me of, like, you know, Jim and Tammy Faye. Like, Jim probably said similar things to his flock. U.S. Attorney Pack says that Chrisley's Instagram statement is not accurate. According to Pack, the investigation uncovered numerous documents and communications where Chrisley directed his employees to commit fraud. In his final statement to the press, Pack said that wealth and fame do not exempt someone from being brought to justice. Additionally, Pack said that Chrisley's faced more than 30 years behind bars for the charges. He said the government would request prison time for all parties involved in the fraud. Todd and Chrisley are expected to turn themselves in on August 14th. Uh, Pack said the couple's first court appearance would occur later this week. So we'll see how this all unfolds soon enough. Give them the max. I'm serious. Like, I, I just, I, I, you know, the only way you're going to really set a message to these type of people is to really just slam them hard. Like, slam them hard with reality that's not the reality in the reality tv show or in their own bubble slam them harder than they're going to get slammed in jail <laughs> what are your thoughts on that on this whole thing um well you know it's again it's like i i understand the the temptations to uh skirt certain laws to line your pockets and this that and the other and you know maybe you're in a position that you've never been in before with um you know income and all that but i mean it just it's like guys there's examples that have come before you where it doesn't it doesn't go well and i mean it's one thing if you're, uh, you know, I don't know, Chris Hansen from To Catch a Predator and you're caught cheating on your spouse and you blow up in the tabloids. That's one thing. People can, can kind of look, oh, okay, whatever, we still like To Catch a Predator and Chris Hansen, so we're going to give it a second chance. But if you're, if you're like uh, high and mighty over there, Christian, you know, whoa, Jesus and, you know, all sinners, blah, 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 you know, doing all these like pious, holier-than-thou tweets on your Twitter account... I mean, dude, you just got to know that we're going to be coming down on your ass when you as soon as you fucking step out of line once. Yeah. And it's just like, I, and this isn't just a little step out of line. It is a big step. Yeah. It's like, this is not like going to, this steps is, out this of is not going to end well for you. You know, like, well, I don't know why. And, you know, yeah, I'm sure there are, uh, I, I, I feel like Joel Osteen is probably one of those people who is, is doing some shady shit who hasn't been outed yet 
as much as uh, for what he's you know actually doing. Well, some of them have, have built such an empire that they just have everything skinned. They have everything just ironclad. Everything's just lock and key. You you can't you can't break through unless there is some federal investigation. If there's no federal investigation, nobody on the outside is going to get even close. Right. Yeah, it's just it's you know it is what it is. It's uh, it's I, karma. I don't I. <laughs> I don't identify as a Christian, so I'm not, you know, and, and I don't I don't really yeah. have a uh, a emotional investment in corrupt Christians. I think they're yeah. just as shitty as not as as corrupt, you know, atheists. Well, I guess it's just the thing that I think they're a little bit shittier because of this whole pious attitude. Oh, yeah. I mean, that definitely um, it, it adds to. Well, it's, it's like it's and how many atheists, you know, you know, do this whole thing where they go on TV and they preach atheism and then ask people for donations and say they can cure people of cancer and do all this other stuff and talk about prosperity gospel and, you know, all this other, you know, dangerous stuff. Well, it's it's and like then, it's like know, anybody just, who acts like they have all the answers whenever they whenever they fuck up, it's even funnier. That's like Alex Jones, yeah. who was all like baby frogs or baby carrots or whatever, yeah. turning people gay. And then it, then yeah. he's then then he's the chemicals in the water are turning the frogs gay. Yeah, and then he's seen <laughs> to have a transgender porn on his phone. He accidentally yeah. <laughs> like opened a a, a, sep- a window in his phone to to show uh-huh. off something. And there was some trans. Uh, uh, porn site yeah. he's like, oh, you know like and he's like oh, 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 oh and he like quickly like you know uh clears it out and it's like you know that shit's hilarious because it's like all anybody who who is like that cocksure that they absolutely know how everyone's supposed to be living their life because life to me is a mysterious thing and i don't think anybody has the exact answer so, if, so anybody no. who acts like and everyone's life is different everyone lives their life differently and goes on a different path so that's that. That's a good point. Like life is mysterious, right? Because it's a mystery every day. Like you never know, like exactly how you know things are going to end up. Like you, you, you have a good idea. Hopefully, you know. Hopefully, your life isn't so unpredictable every day that you never know what's going to happen next. But, um, it's one of those things that yeah, there are things that can happen in your life that you're not necessarily going to know when they're going to happen or, or if they're going to happen. They just happen. Right. Well, I've got to... So, yeah, it's called Karma. I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it on this. This is a pretty... Somebody shared a meme in the comment section, and it's pretty funny. It's called, it's called Karma, and it's pronounced, ha fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. I like that. That's a good one to end that's, on. That's that's a total... Uh, that's that's my, that's, uh, my message to the... Chrysalis or the Chrysalis or wherever the fuck you say their name, you know. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang. Well, that's the podcast. If you want to follow us on uh, our Facebook group, go to facebook.com and in the group section, uh, type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, answer some questions, and you can be a part of our awesome online group. Um, I'm happy to say that I've sold out of almost all my Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries t-shirts. I only have a men's large and a men's 3X left, and I will be finally sold out of all those shirts. It's like, I sold the first, you know, however many in the in the first few weeks that they were out, and then I just kept mm-hmm. like 10 of them in my closet for like... Are you going to make more? I don't know. <laughs>
I don't know. If I make more, I think I want like a sl- new design. Yeah, a, different a new design. design, a better, a softer uh, fabric. Yeah, for the shirt. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, it just depends on the demand, really. Um, I'm sure if mm-hmm. I made a, a new design, people would, you know, who bought the first one would buy the second one. Anyway, yeah, join the group. Um, Stephanie, the behind the scenes chick, uh, singer of my band, keyboard player. Um, she has actually uh, graciously been um, kind of taking over our, our Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries YouTube channel. And she's been uploading. Uh, she's she's. Um, Rest- yeah, I was looking at that. I was like, "Wow, yeah, she's, <laughs> somebody's uh, really been busy." <laughs> yeah, she started uh, uploading our episodes onto YouTube, our full podcast episodes. I think she's up to like number seventeen now. Um, so, if for any reason YouTube is easier for you to listen to our podcast, or it's easier for you to share or whatever, and you want to delve, you know, you want to take a time machine back to 2016 when we first started, uh, feel free to go and subscribe to our Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries YouTube channel. What I eventually want to do and that she's going to help me do with that is um, I want to make, I want to break our podcast down into little small digestible clips like, uh, you know, Josh and Mike talk about Cindy James and it's like a 10 minute clip. Josh and Mike uh, rant about uh, blockbuster videos return policy. That's like a five minute clip. I want to do like a bunch of <laughs> little clips that are digestible that you can just, you know, easily click on that you can hear us talk about and you don't got to go through the whole t- hour and a half, two hour episode. You know, that's what a lot of the big podcasts are doing on YouTube. And I think it's smart, mm-hmm. but it takes a lot of manpower to like sift through those episodes yeah. and edit it that way that and Stephanie's willing to do it. Um, because it will help hopefully promote our band dancing with ghosts. We have a new single coming out August 20th on Spotify, uh, called the white room. It's actually coming to Google play and Apple music and it's all over the place. Um, so we really hope you check that out and just, isn't there like an old 60s song? Yeah. In a white room with black <laughs> curtains, I'm a douchebag. <laughs> something like that um but yeah uh be on the lookout for that check out the band dance my band dancing with ghosts and uh you can find me and mike on youtube if you like us uh but you want us a little bit more on the separate side uh you can find mike at youtube.com slash ocp communications he's the movie guy obviously and uh mike what was the last video you did Last video I did was actually just uh, unboxing and like DVD and Blu-ray update. I was unboxing a package that was sent to me by a subscriber from uh, overseas. So he sent me some movies and stuff like that. And so that's really what that is. The last film I saw was Rocket Man, the Elton John. It's not your typical biopic. I'm going to say this, folks. If you go into Rocket Man expecting a typical biopic, you're not going to get that with the film. So you, it's more of actually, it's like a musical. It's like a Broadway musical interpretation of Elton John and his music, and it's it's wonderful. That's, re- that's really if, you, uh... if you're a fan of Elton John, I highly recommend it. Uh, Taron Edgerton sings, does all his own singing. It's not exactly like the Elton John singles in terms of the vocal range, in terms of the composition that's why it's more like a broadway play which you is know, weird not which is weird because typically homosexuals do not like broadway plays <laughs> i'm not gonna you know i'm not even gonna 
It was a joke, people. Calm the fuck down. It was a joke. But, but, um, it it, it makes sense that you have a flamboyant, just fantasy filled, just really unique film in terms of its perspective, in terms of the editing, in terms. There's a really a lot of just great shots in this movie. Uh, it takes creative liberties with, you know, stuff like, oh, he he didn't really sing Crocodile Rock at the Troubadour, but it, it it's it's all acceptable because it's more about a celebration of Elton and his music. It's not a traditional biopic, so it's not like beat for beat. You know, it, it's way more creative than that, and 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 that's one of the things I really love. I really it really is one of the main reasons why the film is so high on my list already of my favorite films of this year is just because it's such a unique film in terms of its presentation and uh Taron Edgerton is great and uh it, it was one of those films that it, it definitely didn't shy away from the more intense and you know dark moments of Elton's life uh, it didn't shy away from his sexuality uh and but then it also was there for you know his big moments his grand moments his, his spectacular moments of his of his life and his career and uh elton was an executive producer for the film so you know he was definitely very hands-on and was was you know everything that was done in the movie was more than likely done with his blessing so um it's not the same sort of thing i haven't seen bohemian rhapsody but i hear that it's kind of like not really like like Bohemian Rhapsody is good, but like there are things where it takes creative liberties, but it's trying to be more of like a biopic, so that makes those more of uh, something that stands out compared to Rocket Man, where it's like it's already like got fantasy elements in it. Like people are floating around, he's flying around, you know, floating when he's playing the piano. Like you know, like he's actually rocketing off into the sky when he sings Rocket Man. So it's one of those things where you know it, it, it's it's definitely not as close to reality, but um, and it's more of a condensed story. It, it talks more about his uh, struggle with rehab. That's really where it starts and uh, goes through his life uh, when he was a kid, growing up, and then through his rise, and then to his fall, and then to his acceptance. You know of of you know that you know he he fucked up his life is fucked up he's fucked up and you know he's you know deciding to do what take the steps to fix it and then it ends with i'm still standing which is perfect so perfect i love when uh, bohemian rhapsody came out and everybody on the planet acted like they were the biggest queen fan for a few months there's probably some people who are like that with elton john <laughs> and i love elton john yeah oh tiny dancer Urgh. god those people annoy me so much but I'm not going to get on that rant because I've already made a video about people who only like mm-hmm. bands for their hits. And actually, and I love the fact that, you know, Taron Edgerton, like he, he just goes all out with it. It's a great performance. And Elton defended him from, you know, the people who were complaining and saying like, oh, he's not gay. How can he play Elton if he's not gay? And Elton was like, I'm gay. And this is a biopic about me and I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you guys. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
Uh, so that's cool. Uh, go check that out. Check out Mike's YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. And I'm not... What's this other video you just did? Uh, I'm not even going to talk about the video I just did because honestly, I I didn't really want to do the video. I just felt... <laughs> people just kind of kept saying, oh, it, it, Woodstock got canceled. You need to make a video. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah and so I was like, yeah. all right, this is the last fucking video I'm going to make about goddamn Woodstock 50th anniversary. But the one I'm i'm working on currently is the one i'm excited about i'm doing a video on the rise and fall of moby nice yeah. uh you don't hear anything about him now well the th he released he recently released his second memoir then it fell apart in i think march of this year uh -huh. and i cannot recommend it enough if you like audiobooks it's on audible uh which is yeah. not a sponsor of this podcast by the way i just that's i just love listening to audible and audiobooks on there it, it moby was a very complex person who uh i remember a lot of his instrumental work he, that's a, that was used in film he, that's yeah what I, that's he did do a lot of that from. but man he was a debauched twisted dude like he fucking i mean you if i went and told you yeah did you know moby was a meth head you'd be like get the fuck out he was at one point he and he yeah i mean he almost killed well i mean like elton john i mean when you look at elton john like maybe you think he might be on some drugs you know, the, well you know, at this point elton john is like infamous know. for his drug use but but, but moby but, was yeah. this like you know very but i mean back then when people just first heard of elton like would a lot of people think you know, he was, you know, taking every drug known to man. Then maybe he might, you know, partake in some drugs. But they wouldn't be, you know, because they'd be like a lot of rockers do that. But they wouldn't be like everything, you know. Anyway, um, I'm basically doing a whole kind of retrospective of Moby and, you know, like what you know, his his peak of fame and then his fall from grace and his. That sounds really unhappiness good, with it and his attempted suicide and then his kind of acceptance of his place. And yeah. yeah, so that's the video I'm working on now. I'm hopefully I'll have it out by tomorrow because I've been working on it the past three days. Sounds great. Yeah, so that's one I'm, I'm really excited about. So make sure you go over to my YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts and then check out my band on Spotify or Apple or Google Play as well. And you'll hear get bombarded with the advertisement at the end of this as, as well. So thank you for all your support. We love you. And until next time, have a good rest of your week. See ya. So now we've come to the point in the podcast where I'm going to promote my band, Dancing with Ghosts. We are on Spotify and anywhere else that you want to stream music, so please give us a listen. And if you like what you hear, consider supporting our band. You can buy limited editions of our physical CDs and uh, t-shirts in the description to this podcast, and uh, we just appreciate you checking out the band and giving it a chance. And now here is a little clip of some of our music. Someone thought to tie it up. As goes the night. I feel the slip in this abyss. Handcrafted cage, my skull, I cannot stand. You cannot stand.
What do you think about those uh, gamer chairs that like uh, like every YouTuber seems to have? Or do you think those are well, any good? I tried one, but it was like a lower end one at Office Max, and it was stiff as a board. So I don't know if that's how all of them are, but like it also seems like some of them aren't like built for like a lot of room, you know. Um, I don't know. They look it like fucking race like a, car seats. Like, yeah, they, they look, look like race they car look seats. Goofy. Like, I don't. Yeah, I'd rather have you know a high end office chair, and that's yeah. what I have now. Yeah, me too. And you know, I didn't know that Serta made office chairs. Apparently, they do, and it's just about as comfortable as their you know beds and shit. Like this is this is this is like a level of comfort I've never had with any chair. I've ever owned in my life. <laughs> well, for that amount so, of money, it better be goddamn comfortable. Oh, oh yeah, it is. It, it it is. It is totally worth it. Um, oh no, it I, is. I know it, it's over four hundred bucks, but it's an investment. It'll last for a while because it's a high grade. See uh, shit like beds and stuff. That's stuff you hate spending a lot of money on because you're like, oh, it's just a fucking bed, you know. But man, does it make a difference when you yeah. when you invest a lot of money in in that kind of stuff? Because you don't realize how much you actually benefit from having a good bed or a good yeah. chair, you know, or whatever. Well, because I think I, you know, it's going to be so much easier to do podcasts now. So much easier to do videos, you know, sit for hours, you know, or work on things. Because, you know, it's just, it's I can actually sit up straight and do the podcast. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the next thing I got to get to make my podcast seem more comfortable is one of those mic, uh, mic stands that actually sit on the table. And it's got that, That's what I have. that arm. Yeah. Well, I don't have the arm, but it sits on the table. Well, I need one. So. I need one that's got like the arm where you can like you know you can like oh yeah that one that you know what I'm talking about. That's like a, it yeah. looks like a crane or something, and you can like yeah. move it right to your face, so I can like lay back in my chair. I don't chair. have space for that thing in my room. I, I so really don't I either. Stick. That's why I don't have one. But uh, <laughs> it would be nice. So I think you can just bust it out whenever you want to use it for that. But that would actually be a smart investment because I'm just using like a mic stand right now with like yeah, a, so am I. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. I, I know what one you're using. It just like rests on your desk. Mine is yeah. a little different, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. But whatever. Um, yeah. You know the problem with my office chair that I have. And yes, folks, we are able to derive uh, conversation <laughs> out of shit like this. <laughs> uh it, it's it, it's peeling because you know it's got that faux leather that pleather yeah. you know on it it's, i don't know if this is real leather or fake leather it's probably not know. it's probably not real real yeah, real leather real. is very expensive but oh very expensive but dude this shit's like peeling like uh, now granted the stuff underneath the fake leather is still soft and comfortable but like it's just getting all over my like rug. I have to vacuum all the time, yeah, and it, it just that's kind of that's kind of a pain in the ass. So how long have you had it? Like like ten years or something? No, not even close. No, I've had this thing for like <laughs> I don't know. I've had it for like maybe four or five years. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's it it looks like shit, but it's still comfortable. But <laughs> and it's functional. And I re and and like I know if I get a new, a new chair, I'm gonna want to drop about you know what you paid myself. Yeah. So it's like I really am like trying to hold off, but like yeah, all the padding has like been flattened out, and yeah, uh, I mean it's still pretty good, but you know whatever. I mean the old office chair I had, like I got from Goodwill, is a decent alternative, but you know I was I was weighing my options. I was like new laptop, new office chair, <laughs> and then I'm like, 
Well, the the guy at Office Max actually convinced me to just take my laptop in uh, and have it looked at to see if, you know, maybe it's fine. It just needs to get some shit cleaned out of it or something done to it to make it faster that costs me less. Right. So, um, and he, he seemed to, he's the guy who's been doing it for years and he's like, trust me, man. You know, some people think like, oh, I got to buy a new one, but really... <laughs> Sometimes you just need to, you know, bring it in and have me look at it and get it, you know, running faster. That's so. no, that's true. I mean, I mean, the, especially like the less you know about computers, the more it's probably something that can just be fixed rather than needing to be scrapped. Yeah, I prefer that because it's harder and harder to find a laptop with a disk drive, apparently. Oh yeah, um, that's ve- that's actually very difficult at this point. Like I went and yeah. when, when my laptop got stolen, I had to go get a new one and I was exploring my options and yeah, like the ones that had the disk drive, I almost felt like they're charging a, more of a premium now. Yeah. I want a disk drive because I want to be able to watch DVDs or, you know, stuff like that, you know, when I'm cuz I, I cuz with my upcoming uh, term for college, I'm going to have a day where I have like 5 hours to wait. For my next class so i'm gonna be on campus for like five hours that sucks whatever work i'm doing is not gonna take me homework i'm gonna have to do is not gonna take me five hours to do no so i'm gonna have dead time so i want that laptop to be running fast and efficiently so i can just turn the thing on and do whatever i want with it and so on and so forth you know how much shit i keep getting on my stupid apple video the amount of yeah. motherfuckers who are like who needs a disk drive anymore <laughs> yeah, you're I such know, an I idiot know. you're such a I moron it's like I know. it's like dude well, it's like people was like, who uses DVDs or, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Like, it's like, yes, I get it. The idea of a disk drive is a little antiquated at this point, but man, it should still be a fucking option on some of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's better than, I mean, you know, the idea of a disk drive is not as antiquated as the DivX format of a d- disk, which, which, folks, if you don't know what DivX is, I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly, but back in the late 90s, uh, this company decided to uh, create this uh, option for rental of movies that was severely limited from the start. So what it was, was you would have to pay a fee. It was like $4.50. You'd rent the disc and you'd only be able to play it on a DivX uh, model DVD player. That's the only way you could be able to play it. You couldn't play it on any other DVD player. And you could only play it once. Unless you pay an extra fee to be able to watch it again. I have, the I dumbest have, I have shit never ever. heard of that. That you should why haven't you done a video on that? <laughs> this is because I, I I didn't actually get my hands on one until recently. I went to a thrift store and I found one of Bride of Chucky. And I was like, oh my god, I have to get this. It was super cheap, too. I'll never be able to watch it, because you can't watch them anymore. Because uh, the, the company quickly went under, because uh, it was an absolute failure. They didn't bother to like check with the consumer like what, what they wanted. Like Who's going to be like, yeah, instead of renting a DVD or a VHS tape for a certain price for like five days... And I could do more than one. 
I'm going to rent one movie and then I'm going to be able to watch it once and then I have to pay an extra fee to be able to watch it again. And I have to have this certain player. Yeah, I was going to say I have to pay that amount of money to you have to pay even more money to get that player. And then on top of all that, it's only a full screen. It's not even in widescreen. I was gonna say, like, I have a I have a DivX player on my computer, and and I feel like a lot of the movies I've downloaded off of like Pirate Bay or whatever have been, uh, they they only yeah because that was a DivX format and a DivX video. Like this is a completely different thing, which is confusing. Yeah, because say, there's the DivX DVD, uh, which essentially is a. Uh, way to have a disposable disc that's that's basically what it is there's another thing called flex play which was also the same thing but like even worse um but studios loved this idea of course they did because that means more money in their pocket you know and and it was encrypted so it was impossible to pirate so paramount and dreamworks at the start when dvds uh first started coming out they were only releasing their titles on DVD on this DivX thing. Their new releases. They were only releasing them on the DivX format. Circuit City was also involved heavily with this format and was trying to sell it to consumers. And it was a massive failure for them. And it might have contributed in a lot of ways to their eventual bankruptcy because they put so much into it. And got so little. God, all those format wars, because that reminds me of the HD DVD versus the Blu-ray. Yeah. And that whole war that went on. Well, the HD DVD didn't work because it was limited in terms of how many titles that you could watch. Because Sony had the benefit of having Sony titles, as well as some other, as well as actually a few more companies than HD DVD had. And HD DVD is weird because they they actually have discs where one side is like a regular DVD, and then the other side is an HD DVD. Well, also too, uh, the PlayStation Three had their Blu-ray had player. The blue, yeah, had the player in it. That's in. another big thing. And Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, you had to buy a separate right thing. Or your HD DVD. Now, granted, Sony took a bath on their PlayStation threes. They they didn't make any money. They lost money <laughs> on them because <laughs> yeah. it co- it costs. They weren't recouping the costs. It might have. I I don't know if it took cost more to make than they were selling them for, but it was something like. For and I think you also had some that bricked early, so then they had to put that into account, but not as bad as three sixty. Yeah, three sixty. They they infamous for the red ring. Yeah, of they death. were demolished and, by that red ring of yeah. death. And the reason why is simple. Like they cheaped out. They cheaped out on you know the glue and all that stuff inside of the 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 machine. Well, and That's they were I, they were putting aesthetics over functionality. They wanted it to have that that hourglass shape, yeah. and and that compromised a lot of the space. Its ability to cool. Yeah. That's why you had a lot of the later versions of 360 weren't hourglass. <laughs> yeah, like I have uh, the la- the last version of it. I have a black it. one. Yeah, that's the one I have. Yeah. I have the last one, and it just looks, it almost looks like an Xbox One. It's just like a big VCR looking thing, but it works, and it's reliable, and I've been told that that's the worst version, but I, well, whatever. It works for me. I like it. <laughs> you know? Fuck you. 
<laughs> mine, mine has never gotten the red ring of death, so I'm happy. Yeah, so that's our thoughts on uh, dead uh, media formats. And office chairs. And, and, and office chairs. <laughs> yeah. So what, what episode are we on? 152, I want to say. I'll just, I'll just let you carry the Coral Castle. Yeah, and I'm this definitely going to be letting you carry the Evangelist one. Yeah. And when you find yourself lying helpless in her arms. You what song is that? Uh, uh, when You Love a Woman by Brian Adams. Okay. <laughs> you love a woman, you tell her that she's really wanted. When I think of Brian Adams, I just think of uh, everything I do. Yeah, oh yeah, that's his big... I do for you. Look at your eyes. <laughs> yeah, see. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you tell me it's not worth fighting for. Uh. So I think I'm gonna read the one you said. He has a distinctive voice. I like it, Ryan Adams. Um. I don't. Speaking I, of voices, Elton John has a great voice, and oh, yeah. uh, Rocket Man is a great film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're. Uh, I saw. I read your message. I was uh, working on my YouTube video when you sent that to me, so I didn't respond back. But that's cool. No worries. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess I'm gonna do the Life Science article. I know you sent me two. Was there something you saw in the other one that? Was... Well, I mean, there's Wikipedia, but like that's really long. <laughs> True. Yeah, I don't want to. I, I, I can't. I can go to like. I don't know, hour and 15. Like It's going to be a short podcast. Yeah, anyway. that's fine it's, with me. You're just going to go through go through the live. That's a decent one to go through, the live science one, and then and then pepper in some extra details about the documentary. I mean, really, there's only so much to say. That documentary is not really an hour and 20-something minutes. No, it's it just not. repeats the fucking same thing after like the 47-minute mark. Remember correctly. Well, it it showed that fucking weird like pr prepper guy. Almost he almost felt like some kind of doomsday prepper. He was weird, but he was fucking smart. Oh yeah, like, the I, guy was. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I, oh, anyway, we should probably save that. All right, so this is episode one fifty two. Uh, yes. All right.